Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast and this week's adult Bible study as we continue in the book of Exodus. And today we find the children of Israel in a familiar problem, facing a familiar problem, you could say. And then we also find them in a new situation. But in all of this, there's some application for our lives. We do cover a lot of application today in today's lesson. So let's dive in. We're going to actually start in the book of James, and then we'll get to Exodus here in just a little bit. So without further ado, here is this week's adult Bible study. Take our Bibles today and go to start in James. We're going to start in James. We'll get to Exodus 17 in just a minute. But I want to start in the book of James, a familiar passage. James is a wonderful book. Practical book in the New Testament. It's uh, written by Jesus' half brother. And in the first chapter in James, he talks about the word temptations. And this is a common question I get when people are studying James chapter 1. But James chapter 1, he uses the word temptations in two different contexts. There's a temptation like when someone is trying to solicit you to buy their stuff and, or uh, they're trying to tempt you into something wrong. And there's that type of temptation. But there's another definition of the word temptation, which is simply what we would use today as trials. And in the beginning part of chapter 1, why it gets confusing is the beginning part of chapter 1, he's talking about the trials that we face. In the last part of chapter 1 of James, he's talking about the temptation to do evil. So he uses both definitions in one chapter, and sometimes people can get a little bit confused on that. But with that being said, let's look at the first part of that in James chapter 1, verse 2. To get us started, I just want to lay a little foundation, because today we're going to talk about a subject that I, I feel like I've talked about a lot lately. On Wednesday nights for the next three, three more weeks, I started last week, I'm teaching uh, for my dad at, in the main auditorium, to the few that are there, a lot of you are over here working, and we're talking about the we're talking about the strategy of Satan. And so today we're going to be looking at some of the enemies that we face. And I but and I feel like I've been kind of repeating this, but I do believe it's important. And actually, I was thinking as I was writing up some notes yesterday, if all I could do was speak on a few things. Probably I would talk about salvation, no doubt, or you don't even deserve to speak if I don't ever talk about that. But salvation by faith, sanctification by faith, the Christian life, living by faith. But then the third thing would be who's trying to stop that. Those are three most basic things you can talk about. Salvation, the Christian life, and then who's trying to stop you from doing that. That's the, the main focus in all three. But look at what it says in chapter 2. With that foundation, I want to get into what we're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about enemies within and without. But he says in verse 2, my brethren, so he's talking to Christians, he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So this is a classic passage on some trials that we're going through. So temptation is already defined as the idea of trials. But he says to us, count it all joy when you go into diverse temptations. When you go into different, diverse means different types of trials that you go through in your life. And we could probably sit in here in this room and go around from, from right to left or left to right and talk about trials that you're going through. And we would find we'd probably have about 10 different trials in here. There's all kinds of trials or tests that we go through <clears throat> excuse me, in our Christian life. Some difficulties that we don't necessarily sign up for. You don't put a sign-up sheet and say, I would like this trial and this trial. We just go through the Christian life and we go through trials. Some trials are just because of life. 
But some trials are tests that God puts us through to, to test our faith, to help us to grow. And that's what he's talking about in this passage in, in James, because he says, count it joy when you go into the different types of trials. Now, that, that's always counter what you would think. You don't think, man, I'm going through a difficult time. Let's just give God praise. Now, we, if you've been in church sometime, you've heard that, so you know it's in the back of your mind. But that's not the first thing you think about when you hear the word cancer. When a loved one dies. The first thing you don't, you don't say is, let's count it all joy. Now you get there. You eventually get there. But it's difficult at first. But he's telling us here, count it joy when you fall into these different temptations. Why? Because we know something to be true. And I'm just saying, laying a foundation before I get to the text. But because knowing this, that the trying or the testing of your faith, it's working Patience. That word patience means endurance. It's working in your faith, endurance or patience. A lot of times you hear about when you're reading through even the Gospels, when Jesus talks about someone's great faith. And when we think about something, someone being great or something being large or big, we, we, we measure that. Like some of us, myself included, we step on a scale and we're like, all right, I've gotten bigger. I need to downsize. So I need to stop eating this or this. And we measure it by a weight or some Jeremiah the other day was like, dad, come on. I've got a little spot in our, uh, in our little pantry where I'm measuring their heights and I'm putting their, I need note to self, tell my wife I'm doing that before I start writing on the walls after she painted. But uh, I started doing that. And, and so he, he's like, Dad, I think I'm getting taller. So he's up there the other day doing like this, and I measured him, and he, he did. He's grown about a half an inch, and he was so pumped about that. But he's measuring his, probably to him, his manhood, by how tall he is, but he's measuring by how tall he's getting. But faith is not that way. You can't measure it by a size or a, a tape measure or something like that. Faith is actually measured in endurance, or it's measured in the duration of time that we can continue without falling. Think about Peter. He got on, walked on water. Doing pretty good. Great faith. Didn't last too long. And then all of a sudden he took his eyes off of it. You think about the lady, though, that Jesus insulted. And she, he, called her a, he called her a dog. Now, if you don't know that story, go get it. Because I probably shouldn't have led like that. But she came and she was asking for, for something. And he said, why should, why should I give it to a dog? It was a term in the sense of a Gentile woman back then. But it was a harsh term. And, and he was saying, why should I give it to you? He was testing her. And then he, he said something else to her, something else to her. But she kept coming back humbly and requested. She kept coming. And Jesus said, I've not seen so great a faith. Why? Because she endured the, the trial after the trial after the trial. And she didn't give up. Because faith is measured in endurance. So with that foundation, he says this, count it joy when you go through a test, because that testing is working in you a patience or an endurance. The trials that you go through are only working on your behalf if you respond the right way. And so James is selling this to his Jewish brethren that were going through different trials at that time, but he says, go ahead and let that endurance, let patience in verse 4 have her perfect work. Here's why that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The word wanting is lacking. The word perfect is mature. So he's saying basically this. When you go through the trials, God is developing your faith to make you a more well-rounded Christian. Now, it sounds really good when we're not in a trial. And when we're just sitting here and things are going good, we're like, man, yeah, that's right. But when you're in the trial... 
That's when it gets tough. And that leads us to go to back to Exodus chapter number 17. Because God has brought the children of Israel, as you know, as you've been with us in this study, God has brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. They were in bondage, and now they're free from the bondage. That is that picture of salvation. When you and I were in bondage to sin, but we've been set free through Jesus Christ, they were in bondage to the Egyptians. They've been set free by God, and now they are on this journey. But it's going to be a journey that tests them. It tests their faith, just like you and I are on a journey right now that is going to test our faith as we're becoming more like Jesus Christ. And, and we talked just last week about how they ran out of water and they complained. They ran out of food and they complained. And so they're needing to grow in the area of complaining. And so what does God do? Gives them a test. And here's what happens. We just saw that, but now we come to chapter 17, verse 1. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. So they got a problem. It's a problem they've already faced. So it's kind of like, oh, I've had this test before. I've had this quiz before that the teachers give me. So, of course, they're just going to respond right. They already know the answer. I'm going to turn to God. God's going to give me this because they've passed this. They, they failed this test before. And so now, of course, they're going to respond right. Right? No. Wherefore, the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why chide you with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is, is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us our children, and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? What a great line to start your prayer. Because that's probably, I mean, for Moses to just go straight to God and say, like, All right. Is, is a lot of great leadership right there. But he says, what should I do unto this people? They almost be ready to stone me. They're, they're about to stone me. And so they failed the test again. And, and it's, everything in me, once, when I'm reading through this and I'm teaching through it, I'm like, oh, here we go again. Another time they're out of water. God gives them water. Out of food, God gives them out of again. But they constantly keep complaining. And I want to get frustrated with them. And then I think, well, how many times do I come back to God and say, God, I need to confess something again. Same thing I was here for yesterday. Same thing I was here for the day before or last week. How many times do we fail over and over again? And what I'm thankful for is God is faithful who will not suffer us to be. Well, that's a different verse, 1 Corinthians 10. But God is faithful who will forgive us. Constantly is forgiving. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And so... Here they are again, they're facing a second test. I call this today's lesson like the enemies within and without, and they're facing, first of all, a familiar battle from within. They need something, and instead of passing that test and trusting God and learning the lessons that they've been, been going through from the trials, instead they fail again. They cry out, they complain, but God still is long-suffering. And this is just a lesson that I've already kind of referenced, but... In our lives, God's long-suffering is not an excuse for us to keep failing. But it is a motivation to say, hey, God's, God's not going to just cast me out. He loves me. He is going to be patient with me. 
but he wants us to grow. There will be consequences to Israel's constant murmuring and their constant lack of faith. But God is being patient with them, and so is Moses. And, and so, but all of this, all of their struggle, and all of our struggles stem from the same thing. It's unbelief. It's lack of faith. And all of my struggles, Brad McClure's struggles today in 2023, and I'm assuming, and I, well, just knowing the Bible, all of your struggles today in 2023 come from a lack of faith. It's not trusting and not depending upon God for the situation that we faced in that moment. And that's why we fail. It, our trials can be different, but it comes down to faith. I've had faith to trust Christ as my Savior, but I need faith every single day to live the Christian life. And sometimes we, we trust in our own strength and we fail, but we don't trust in God. And so here they are. Moses says, you know, God, what are we going to do about this people? They're going to stone me. And, and the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river. Take it in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come out, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massah in Meribah, because the children of, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? How what a brave tone they took saying that. But so here, Moses is told to strike the rock. Now, a little bit of a foreshadowing for lessons we probably won't get to in this series when he's told to speak to the rock at a different occasion in Numbers, and he actually strikes the rock that time, and that's what got him to where God said, you're not going to go into the promised land. So similar story, but two different stories. But this time when he comes to God, God says, strike the rock, and he gave them water. He did provide for them as he always will. But the lesson... He's on those Israelites, failing another test. And the truth is, you and I are going to go through some tests in our lives. We have an enemy within. This was a battle they had within. This murmuring comes from the heart. This was a flesh battle that they had. Yes, it was a faith battle, but it was a flesh battle. And each one of us have a flesh battle that we have. That Galatians tells, and I love to teach on this. Like I said, if this would be one of the things, if I could just, if I just talked about three things, the gospel living by faith in the Christian life, and then what tries to hinder us. And one of those things trying to hinder us is our flesh. It's what I've often called the internal enemy. It trying to get me to fail every day. The flesh wanted me to fail this morning from the moment I woke, woke up. It's constantly opposed to the Holy Spirit. My flesh wants to do this. The Spirit wants to do this. My flesh wanted to sleep in maybe today. The Spirit says, get up and go to church, Brad. My flesh wants to, I mean, it's just, there's a constant battle. Galatians 6, Galatians 5 tells us that. The spirit and the flesh, they're at battle all the time. So you have an enemy within, and if we don't live by faith, when we face the test, we're going to constantly give in to the flesh, which leads to a discouraged Christian life. That's why you have a lot of Christians that are frustrated all the time. And sometimes they'll... They would come to my office when I was pastor, and they said, well, I just don't feel like God cares about me. He's not doing anything. Well, they're constantly living in the flesh and then blaming God for what's going on. Well, a lot of times, myself included, it's on me. I've got to choose to walk in faith. So that's an enemy from within. We all face that. We have similar battles, and it comes down to unbelief, lack of faith. We've got to trust God 
And we've got to realize I'm not dependent upon my flesh. I've got to be dependent on the spirit. But then comes another battle, one they hadn't faced yet. I guess in a similar, they faced it in Egypt a little bit, but this is a surprise battle. Look at verse number 8. Then We see a fearful battle from without. They had a familiar battle within, but now they're going to face a fearful battle without. And verse 8 says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. So they hadn't had necessarily a battle. Remember God led them. We read that a few chapters ago, a few lessons ago, that God led them a different way because they weren't ready for battle. So instead of taking the straight route to the promised land, God had led them around. Yes, because he had some tests for them, but he was also protecting them from the Philistines because he said, Israel's not ready to battle. But now a battle is coming their way, a battle that they can't, they, they can't avoid. And so without, there is a battle. And I think this is a good picture of what we face today because we face some battles without. Yeah, there's battles within, but there's also some battles without. Sometimes it's other people at work. Sometimes it's family members you're going to be seeing at Christmas. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's TV shows that you're battling. And that's come, and it, it brings me back to my whole lessons on the three enemies. But your enemies all work together. So I may see a TV show, and that's a battle for me, but it's also working on the internal flesh. Because the out, external enemy is tempting my internal enemy. They all work together try to get us to fail in the Christian life. And so there's an enemy coming without, it's the Amalek, Amal, I don't know how you call them, I'm going to call them the Amalites, it's not what you call them, but I just want to, it sounds like you should be using that when you're talking about Israel in the Old Testament. But Amalek, they're coming in, and this was a feisty group. I mean, these people would sneak in, they did it later on, and God's going to constantly rebuke them to the point where God's going to say to Israel, hey, you've got to wipe them out. But they would sneak in and take the weakest part of Israel. They would take women, they would take children, they would sneak in. It wasn't just a straight up battle. These people were very sly. And so here they come, and they're coming to battle against Israel for their first time. So Moses said to Joshua, we're introduced now to Joshua, who later, foreshadowing again, was going to take over for Moses. But right now he's a servant of Moses and is one of their leaders uh, in battle. And so Moses said to Joshua, choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand up on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said unto him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur, what a name for a guy, by the way, Hur. So I don't know. But Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were, were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, and the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and the hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomforted Amalek and all his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord sent unto Moses, and I'll get back to verse 14 in just a second. So, Here's this battle. They're coming in, and Moses' first response, we don't hear him get any direction from God. He may have. We may just not be recorded for us, but we don't know. But Moses' first response is this. Guys, we've got to go to battle. We're going to have to face this one. And there's some times in our life we just have to face stuff head on. There's some battles we've got to face, some situations we've got to attack. But Moses said, so Joshua, I want you to go out to fight this battle. I'm going to head up on this hill, and I'm going to basically, what we would say today, pray. 
And he says, I'm going to lift up my hands. Now, it's a cultural thing. In our culture today, when you're teaching your kids to pray, what do we do a lot of times? We tell them to do what? We say, all right, get your hands together and do this. Now, do we have to do this to pray? No, but we're just kind of teaching kids sometimes to get in that spirit of prayer. And so you'll see little kids sometimes doing this, this cutest thing, you know, when, you're, when you see them just down here like this. But in the, in the Old Testament time, in a Jewish culture, which is probably still a little bit today, their symbol of prayer was not this. Their symbol was this. So a lot of times they would pray like this. So Moses didn't go say, I'm going to go on top of the hill and pray. But he said, I'm going to go on top of the hill. I'm going to raise my hands, lift my hands up. And he said, I'm going to have that rod. Well, that rod's been pretty important to them so far. And they knew it wasn't the rod that was doing it. But that rod, God used, told him to lift that rod over the Red Sea and it parted. God told him to take that rod, this chapter right here, strike the rock, and then water came out. So Moses knew, hey, God's been honoring this rod. Well, I lift my hands to the Red Sea party. He says, so I'm going to go cry out to God. And so while the battle is raging for Israel, Moses is interceding in prayer. He's on top of that mountain. So you and I are going to face some enemies without. And that's why we pray. One of the reasons, tomorrow, let, you know, we, we mentioned Randy Arsenal. He's going to go in for a little surgery tomorrow. Now, it's an outpatient surgery. But do you think he may face some internal concerns maybe today? I, I, he may be the strongest guy in the world. maybe may be like, hey, I don't care. God's going to take care of this. But I'm just going to use him for an illustration. There may be some nerves in him. That's an internal enemy. We obviously know what's going on. It's not like the doctor's the external enemy. But that's the thing that he has to face. That's what he's going on. That's the trial he's going to face. So you know what happened here a little bit earlier is a group of us decided that we're going to go lift our hands on behalf of someone else that's going to go through some things. You know, when he comes home the next day and, and he's uh, maybe not being able to get around a little bit and Kathy's got to take care of him all the time, which Michelle has to take care of me all the time anyways, but Kathy has to take care of him. Randy probably takes care of himself a little bit better. But you know what? That's going to get kind of tough on her probably, isn't it? She's going to face some internal enemies saying, you know what, I'm just tired. and I'm. She could, she could face that. She's more spiritual than me, so she won't, but she could. And, and then there's going to be so, this external thing is my husband is, is had surgery and he can't get up. And there's going to be these battles. But you know what? It's a group of people that are lifting their hands on behalf of that family. They don't even know. But we have to believe that prayer changes things. There's battles that you and I face. And, and prayer helps others. It's called intercessory prayer. We're interceding on behalf of others. Yes, we need to pray for our own selves. And I'm sure Randy and Kathy will be praying. But we're, we're praying for others because they're going through some battles that, that, that are taking place. And so that's what Moses was doing. But then you notice that the, even among Moses, he said, boy, his arms started getting tired. That's why this may be a little bit more convenient. You know, we should have just told Moses back in the day. But uh, no, this, this was getting a little bit tired. So his arms, and every time he'd like, oh, take a little break, well, he started losing the battle. He looked down over that hill, and all of a sudden now Israel's being defeated. He put his hands back up. Now Israel's winning. I don't know how long it took to notice. It's not like it just, boom, uh-oh. And it's just, I don't think he was doing this. But he started noticing this. So then Aaron and Hur came in along the side. And they lifted up his arms, put some stones underneath there, and they helped lift up his arms. Just an idea of they're laboring together. It's a, good, it's a good picture of what today, it's a picture of today the church. You know, our pastor can't do everything. He, I mean, you got 200 some people that come on a Sunday morning. There's a lot of issues, a lot of things going on. 
a lot of times, unless you've, you know, have a pastor in your family or something like that, you don't know a lot of what goes on behind the scenes. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that you can't even as a pastor talk about. Maybe through the counseling or what things you so that the emotional stress. So a lot of times they're lifting their hands, they're trying to do some things, but an Aaron and a Her can come alongside and just help labor together. And this church got a lot of people laboring together, which is a good thing. But what am I saying? There's they faced a fearful battle without, and Moses interceded on their behalf. And and we're going to face some battles. There's going to be some difficult times in our life, some within, some without. We need to be interceding for each other. But ultimately, what this came down to is the answer to this test. It's a test that they failed. In, in the first part of this chapter, and I, Moses passed it here. I don't know that they did. Some of them did. But the answer to this test, test is this. Look to Jesus. Look to God. He's the answer. You guys can't defeat these animals. You're not ready for battle. We already learned that a couple chapters ago. But if you look to God, you're going to win, and they do. You, you don't have any water. You can't, you can't invent water. But the answer to the test is look to God. They failed that one. You see, the answer to our test today, not much has changed in thousands of years. The answer to the test that we have is we have to look to God. Now, our rational minds, we can justify everything away. Well, how am I going to look to God? I mean, he's not, I mean, I, I prayed to him, but nothing's changing. Keep looking to God. Remember what I said at the beginning in James. That's why I went there. That trials are all about working endurance or patience. So you say, well, nothing's happened yet. That All you're doing is saying out loud, you're being tested on your endurance. You say, well, it's been two years. Well, God's really working to test your faith. He really wants you to grow. And he's just developing this endurance. If you can keep looking to him and keep looking to him throughout all the difficulties, think about the growth that's taking place in your life when you're dependent upon God. I think about some of the trials in my life. And those trials, I was seen to be, in my life, depending more upon God than I was in the good times. Because I take for granted God. And so they faced this fearful battle without, but Moses interceded. He raised his arms. Those others labored together to hold up his arms, and they won this battle, their first battle that they've had to face since they came out. And again, God won it for them, but they had to depend. And so then in verse 14, something is just somewhat interesting as I wrap this up. And the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book. Why? Moses just finished his battle. His arms are probably tired and everything. He says, hey, go grab a ink pen, which they didn't have back then. But go grab you one and, and write this down. Why am I writing this down? He says, it's for a memorial. And then he said, rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Well, that's that guy that was down there fighting the battle. He says, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And I think this is interesting. This is just my opinion. But part of it's my opinion. You know, God wanted them to remember the lesson that happened on this day. But God knew, Moses didn't know, Joshua was going to take over one day. God knew what's going to happen. He's sovereign. He sees all. He's like, I know that down the road, Joshua's going to take over. And do you remember in Joshua chapter number one, remember what he had to keep telling Joshua? He'd have to say, be strong and of good courage. Why? Because Joshua was weak and scared. <laughs> He's like, I just, got, I just inherited two million people. 
But I mean, how am I going to lead this people? And I think Joshua, though a military man in battle, I think he was realized that I cannot do this, God. And God knew that. And so God said, be strong and of good courage. So he knew he was going to face that down the road. So I wonder if during that time, if he picked up the writings of Moses. And in Joshua chapter number one, I wonder, this is just me. I just wonder if he sat there that night when God said, hey, you're, you're in charge now of this two million people. The people that have been whining and complaining to Moses, they're yours now. And I wonder if he sat there that night outside of his tent and he picked up this writing here and he rehearsed it as Moses had rehearsed it to him and he started thinking about this. And he, I wonder if he remembered back to this battle and thought, you know what? God protected us when we prayed. And I wonder if he looked back and said, you know what? I remember we, we were out of water and God provided water through that rock. Because... That's what God has done for us thousands of years later. He's written all of this down. All of this is written down so that you and I can get up on a morning when we're going to face some difficulties and we can get up and just read and say, man, God took care of Israel. God took care of Israel. They looked to him and God took care of them. God can still do that today. It's the same God. All of this is written down as a memorial, yeah, for Joshua back then, but it's written down as a memorial for Brad, who's going to be scared to death as he faces some trials in the future. It's going to be written down for you. This is, this is a book that is alive. It's, it's God's word for us, and it was written down for Joshua here, but it's also for us. It's been put into the scriptures for us. And so Moses built an altar there, and the name of the place was called Jehovah Nisi. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. I think that means God, the Lord, Jehovah is my banner. Which, who's our banner? In the New Testament tells us, or later on, even Solomon wrote about it, that the banner over me is love. And he was talking about later in the New Testament that Jesus Christ is our banner. So the battles that we face, to wrap this up, you're going to face some battles within and you're going to face some battles without. But the banner over us is Jesus Christ. That's who we look to. That's who we depend on. And if we look to him and depend on him, he will help us overcome the trials. But if you say, yeah, I've been praying. It took, I prayed like five minutes ago and nothing's changed. All right. Well, remember that it says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect, mature, and entire, well-rounded, wanting or lacking nothing. When you go through those trials with your eyes fixed on God with a spirit of joy, God's making you into a Christian that is strong and solid for your family, for your kids, and for others that are going to go through similar trials down the road. And you're going to be there for them. So hope this lesson is an encouragement to you. And I hope as you kind of face some difficulties, maybe around the Christmas time, that uh, you, you turn your eyes to the Lord. Let's pray. Since that you 